Uh, Jeremiah 31, if the newness of the new covenant is that members have the law written on their hearts, does this mean that saints in the old covenant were not regenerate? What spiritual blessings do new covenant believers have today that someone in a preceding covenant, Abraham, someone like that, did not have? And if the new covenant is still a mixed community, what does it mean that they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest? Excellent questions. Uh, Well, let's just work our way through this. There is a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. There's something new about the new covenant. And we are told in Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8 that the difference is I will write my law on your heart. I will put it my law in your mind. I will write it on your heart and you will all know me from the least of you to the greatest. That's the difference. And Hebrews 8 has a little preamble in its description that says, look, the reason the old covenant worked was not broke was not there's nothing wrong with the old covenant, but the people weren't able to keep it. Now, we do not really have the theological right to say that people in the Old Covenant were not regenerate. You know, when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again, he also makes a comment, are you not a teacher in Israel? Which means a a faithful Old Testament scholar should know that you you must be born again. So he's talking about within the Old Covenant. You have Psalm 51 with David, Take not thy Holy Spirit, restore unto me thy spirit, take not thy spirit from me. Uh, Now, one of the challenges we have about the Old Testament is we run into virtually nobody, not completely nobody, but almost nobody in the Old Testament who's not an anointed prophet, priest, or king. Only the bad guys. Only the the wicked, for the most part, with some exceptions. Naboth's an exception. Um, And so it's hard, frankly, to to existentialize what an average Joe Old Testament believer, what it was like for him. We have to say categorically he had to be born again. That's Jesus' teaching during the Old Covenant. Uh, We have have the, the, the Holy Spirit is not absent from the Old Testament. So you had to be born again. We will also say that according to Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8, the covenant of grace in the old covenant operated in a primarily external manner. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 says you had it written on tablets of stone. And so they were saved by grace. And, and they, yes, they were born again, although Pentecost means an outpouring of it. So if you had it before and then you have an outpouring, then there's a difference in degree but not kind. That's kind of what we'll say. The difference between the Holy Spirit and the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is not one of kind, but certainly of degree. Of degree, of degree. Um, but it's very hard for us to piece together. And you don't have a Romans in the Old Testament. You don't have an Ephesians in the Old Testament that has that really direct discipleship teaching, that didactic salvation doctrine in that form. And so I'm not as sure. I, I, can, I can put a box around it. But I have a hard time getting inside the box and say, what was it like to be a Naboth? Naboth, we know, was saved. Uh, and, but I don't know, but, but, but I do know what it's like in the New Testament. <laughs> and so that's the situation we're in. But they had, let me say this, the Old Covenant was primarily an external administration, while in the New Covenant there's a new internal administration via the Holy Spirit. So when Jeremiah, and then Hebrews 8, quoting Jeremiah, says in Ezekiel 36, I will take my law and I will write it on your heart, that's a new thing. Even Jeremiah calls it a new covenant. There's something different about that. 
And Hebrews 8 suggests it's an external administration, now it's an internal. Well, we know what our situation is, and that is a privilege we had, I think the right way to understand it, in degree. It's a difference primarily in degree and extent. Uh, We have a higher potential, we have a greater responsibility. So don't get snarky when you're reading your Bible about what an idiot Peter was. He's pre-Pentecost, you're post-Pentecost. We have greater privileges, we have higher potential, I don't know how else to put it, and we have a greater responsibility because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now the know me, they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. And he makes a comment in the question, uh, if, if the new covenant is still a mixed community. Now what's going on there is that our Baptist friends believe that whereas the old covenant church was a mixed community, there were believers and believers and non-believers in it. They believe that this statement, they will all know me, is saying that the new covenant church will not be a mixed community. That the church, the visible church, will not have believers and unbelievers. The church is all regenerate. Now, the biggest problem with that view is that Jesus didn't get the memo. And in his kingdom parables in Matthew 13... In, in the parable of the, of the weeds and of the dragnet, he explicitly says that the net, the field, these are metaphors for the church, include the good and the bad. And so this conclusion being drawn from Jeremiah 31, that the New Testament must be a all-regenerate church, that would be a good conclusion if Jesus did not rule it out and Jesus does rule it out. So what does he mean when he says they will all know me? Well, a good thing to do, this is when, when a guy like Jeremiah is speaking that way, go back to his prior references, his prior use of that terminology. It turns out that Jeremiah has used that same term several times before, and he uses it not referring to conversion, but to sanctification. In the book of Jeremiah, they will know me, is used in all prior references uh, of they'll walk in my ways. That's, that's really, that's, his, that's where it goes. They will, they will know me, they will walk in my ways. They will be my disciples and they will be in a growing maturity. Now, if in all other versions of that statement he meant that, I think we should take it that's what he means here. And he's talking about the spiritual potential of a believer in light of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I hope that was helpful.